like, you may be seated. You're seated. Uh, good morning, everyone. Whether you're here in the house, you're online, sanctuary, you are uh, at True Worth, uh, what a humbling honor it is for us to be assembled together in the worship of our God. And I want to reiterate, if you are new, uh, you've never been to this place, you've never checked on online, maybe you're new online for the very first time, uh, I'd love to meet you. Hey, shoot me an email. Uh, if I can connect with you, I will. It may take me a while if you're online, but I'll get to it. It may be a while. Uh, but if you're here in the house, uh, I, I would love to just take a moment to say hello after worship. I'll hang out in the crossing, whether you're in the sanctuary or you're here in the ark. I, I would love to do that. We're going to hand out Bibles now. If you have your own Bible, you might want to find the, the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, you can go to the table of contents. It's a good place to go to use it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you're new, uh, we raise hands for Bibles just to put people, Bibles in people's hands. It's not to call you out. It's just to give you one in case you'd like to use it. Take it home with you if you so desire. Uh, if you're online, I encourage you to take a little time to find you one. You, you have some time to do that. I'm going to begin with prayer here in just a moment this morning because our subject matter is very personal. It's a very sensitive matter. Um, before we kind of chime in here, I, I want to say I, I, I love you guys. I'm just so grateful that you allow me to serve in the role that I get to serve in. And I want the best for you. And so what we're about to do here this morning, I want to ask you to just kind of get within yourself and God, for you to have a personal conversation with God. This be not judgment, not condemnation. Uh, this is for personal growth. And for you to be listening, particularly for what you believe God will be saying to you, uh, not your neighbor, but to you about this subject matter called our bodies. Uh, it's a very private, personal matter. So let's begin in prayer. God, uh, before we open your word, uh, we, come, we assemble as the body of Christ. Uh, we assemble from a lot of folks right here in Burleson, Texas. God, uh, some up in Fort Worth, but God, there are people all over the United States, and uh, God, by your grace, uh, all over the world now that have kind of assembled here to be a place of worship uh, through the miracle of technology. Uh, we are your body. But we come, God, to speak about these personal bodies that you have given us this morning. And we're asking for you to speak a fresh word for what you think, uh, not what the world says, uh, not what culture says, not what Madison Wall Street or, or any sort of magazine says, God, or website, God, but what you say about our bodies and how you might teach us uh, how to manage them in a way that honors you. So I ask you to speak a fresh word as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, wherever you are, I want you to turn to someone close to you and I want you to tell them uh, your body is a big deal to God. Do it. If you're online by yourself, type it into the person there that's hosting. Your body is a big deal to God. Now, everyone, wherever you are, I would just ask for a moment that all eyes here, uh, and I wish I could look each of you in the eyes and you would really hear me say this and receive it as truth. Your body is a big deal to God. God places a much higher value upon your body than you realize. In the open of pages of this book called the Bible in Genesis, 
Uh, God creates all this cool stuff, and every time God creates this cool stuff, God says, hey, that's pretty good. But you read the very end that after he created the human body, he says, man, that's very good. Kind of thinking like he'd outdone himself. It's very, very good. Uh, when God sends his son Jesus into the world, and you read about it in John chapter 114, it says the word that is the logos, that is God, became flesh. God himself took on a human body. Uh, giving your body dignity because God had one too. Uh, when you read this book, this little thing we call the Bible, a uh, fascinating book. I highly encourage you, you read it. And in this book, it has all these guidelines about how we're to treat each other. God's trying to help us. I mean, just how to manage relationships. And when he's doing that, he talks about how we treat one another's body but also how we treat our bodies. And there's, it's filled with stuff like, hey, no violence. Don't hurt somebody else's body. Uh, don't hurt your body. Don't abuse it. Don't starve it. No rape. Not okay. Taking advantage of somebody else's body. Don't, don't mistreat the body, the scriptures say, uh, in any way. Just don't do it. I, I think it's fascinating that when you read the story of Jesus, uh, he's going to the cross. In Luke chapter 22, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying. I mean, his body is so full of stress, he's on the ground sweating drops of blood. He is. And he just knows what's coming. God, please, I just, my body, I don't want to, I just, if you could. And so he gets up from praying, and the soldiers come to arrest him, wrongfully arrest him. Then there's this guy named Peter who wants to protect Jesus, and he takes out a sword, and he whacks off the ear of one of the soldiers that are about to arrest him. Now, would you agree with me that Jesus had a law on his mind at the time? I mean, he's about to go to the cross. He's carrying the sin of the whole world upon his shoulders, but he had the presence of mind in that moment to stop, and he turns to Peter. And he says, Peter, no violence. Don't do it. Picked up the soldier's ear very gently, put it upon his head, and he heals the soldier. Uh, Jesus doesn't want anyone's body to be disfigured, even those of his enemies. Think about it. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul reminds us that the Holy Spirit, you know, actually lives in our bodies. It says right here in verse 19, we'll put it on the screen, I believe, 19 and 20. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Don't you know that? Hey, you, you are not your own, the Scripture says. Verse 20, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, if we were to take those two little verses there and to kind of do a seminary exegete of that little text, uh, this is what I would do. I'd break it down into three primary things that Scripture is trying to teach us. And the first one here is, is that uh, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and again, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, online or here on the campus, you're welcome here. 
Uh, if you're not a follower, you're not even a believer yet, and you're not even sure, uh, you're welcome here. Wrestle with it, struggle with it, ask the questions, all that sort of stuff. This is a safe place to do that. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, here's what the Scripture's saying. Uh, your body no longer belongs to you. God paid a price on the cross. And it says right here in this text, he's taking ownership over your body. And then we're also learning this text. He says, not only that, that your body now is the dwelling place of the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that third part now lives in you. So it says there, those last few words, honor God with your bodies. Uh, your body is a pretty big deal to God. Now, now, some of you, maybe you're not sure that you still believe that. So let me take it one step further. Uh, if you were going to read Philippians chapter 3, that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when you die, you get a new body, a perfected body, a glorified body. It says your lowly body is transformed into a new body. You're not just some spirit, wispy spirit. You have a body forever of some kind. Uh, your body is a big deal to God. And I just have to ask, if our bodies are a big deal to God... I just wonder if maybe some of us, they shouldn't be a little bit more of a big deal to us. Now, we're getting ready to have a conversation here, and I want to say again, I love you. I thank you so much for allowing me to do the role that I have, and some of you are going to get all sensitive and been out of shape, and I'm just asking you, please send your emails to God. Okay, I'm just trying to be obedient. I'm just trying to be faithful. I'm trying to be true. I'll confess. I'm transparent. This is a passionate area of mine. It's a passion of mine, and I might get a little bit too much. Just take it for what it is, but I ask you to be open to some very practical ways that I think God's Word can help us honor God. He says it. Do it. Honor God with our bodies. And here's the first one in your notes. I will get stronger in honoring God with my body when I stop harming my body. Uh, you can't harm something. You can't keep harming something that doesn't belong to you. And the scripture is clear. Your body doesn't belong to your follower of Jesus. It belongs to God. He says, I, I give it to you to take care of. So with love in my heart, but as straight as I can. I ask you to agree with the Holy Spirit and God's Word. You cannot keep starving and then overstuffing your body. I would ask you to agree with the Holy Spirit that if you are cutting your body, if you are harming your body in any way, if you are poisoning your body, listen, young people, students, 
If you are poisoning your body with any destructive substance of any kind, if you are engaging in any risky body behaviors, I would ask you to agree with the Holy Spirit and to stop. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, your body doesn't belong to you. God paid a high price that you might have the life that you have right now. And he's asking, would you please, on the track, would you please, online, would you please, in the sanctuary, true worth, would you please, here at the very back, you think I can't see you, I can see you, would you please stop harming it? Uh, years ago, our family had a black van, and our family, we affectionately called it the Black Beast. It was an old, long, Chevy, one of those long Astro vans, extended length, uh, because I coached a lot of baseball when my kids were young, and I, mean, I had to carry around a lot of baseball equipment. It was black on the outside, this big kind of burgundy red on the inside. You also had to have room to pick up kids. If you've ever coached uh, little league kids, and you know you got to pick up the kids a lot of times because the parents won't get them to practice. <laughs> so the coach has to do it. So you got to have a lot of room for picking up kids and picking up equipment. And this van, we call it the Black Beast, affectionately in our family because uh, it was kind of a unique vehicle. And I got a lot of joking from my buds for having this van because this van, if you, if you took a left turn a little too sharp, the sliding door would swing open. And it just, whoa, and you turn around. It wasn't, you turn around, it'd close. It, it wasn't hard. I knew what to do. Uh, uh, it would start sometimes. You could start it without a key. Uh, you could. Um, uh, a couple of times I found myself going to the door, going to the door, hey, listen to your son, hey, and in the car, and there's another kid in the car, and he's running, and all of a sudden the car starts kind of lurching forward, like it's trying to go into drive by itself, and the kid, coach, 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 it'll stop, it'll stop, don't worry about it. Uh, and, and it was safe because the seatbelts were really, really good. Uh, you could not get out. I mean, you were in there good. So I, I took a lot of ribbing, a lot of stories about, about this van with our family and our kids and, and some of my friends. And one particular friend in this church, uh, he was embarrassed kind of, I think, that he said, you know what, Rick, I, uh, you know, why, I, wish, I just want you to have a better van. You're my pastor, you're my friend, you know, you're driving around and that. Why don't you get you another vehicle? I said, no, I like it. I mean, I like it. It works for me. It gets the A to B. It's paid for, all that sort of stuff. And not too long later after that, he invites me to come speak at a Christian group of men in Fort Worth, and they're meeting at a country club. And he, he invited me. He said, yeah, I'll go. I'll come. And so, you know, a couple of weeks after that, so too far after that, he comes up to me and says, hey, listen, Rick, I'm going out of town. I'm going to be gone for a couple of weeks. Hey, I, I'm just so tired of seeing you drive that. You know what? Why don't you take my truck? Here, here's the key. Take it for a couple of weeks. Just enjoy it. And I said, oh, Okay, you know, you know, okay. <laughs> you know, so I, so I took it, and he said, he said, not only that, he said, why don't you keep it, even after I get back for a little bit, and just go ahead and drive it when you come to speak at, the, at our men's group. <laughs> Translation, don't valet that black man at my club. And so uh, I took the keys, and man, this, this truck was the bomb. 
Um, it was more expensive than first house we ever lived in, I know. It had all the electronics, the leather, the floor stuff. I mean, it was just in pristine. I went and got towels and quilts and covered everything up and drove in it and covered You know, I said, man, I'm not getting anything dirty in this truck. I would drive it to church. I didn't drive it that often. I was scared to death. I would park it way far away as I could at an angle at every supermarket at the church. Don't you touch this truck. You know, it doesn't belong to me. And so I was very proud when he came and when he finally said, okay, I'm ready for my truck. Uh, I gave it back to him without a scratch uh, because it wasn't mine. And I knew it. Your body does not belong to you. The scripture is clear. If you're a follower of Jesus, it belongs to God. And one day, you and I will stand before him and give an account, just like I did before my friend, of this is what I did with the body that you gave me. Here's the next one. I will get stronger in honoring God with my body when I fill my body with high-performance fuel. High-performance fuel. Uh, my, my freshman year of, of college, I, spent, I lived with a family in our church. Uh, they had a son named Steve. He was seventh grade. He was into motocross. I wasn't into motocross. He was into motocross. Uh, I did it a little bit with him recreation. It was fun recreation. I did it some, but man, he was serious about it. And he competed at a very high level. And the hills, the jumps, all the whole, the whole thing. And uh, he, he got so good, he got the best bike he could, but everybody else got the best bike he could. So winning had to do with having uh, the best driving skills. And then they all got the best skills, the skills you could hardly separate. And then he finally figured out what I really need to have is the right kind of fuel. And so his dad uh, found this place in Dallas. We lived in Wichita Falls. And they went down there and bought this high-performance fuel for motorcycles. And the more he used that fuel, the more he began to win. And he said, you know what? I, I am not going to use anything but this high-performance fuel because it gives me a competitive edge. Now, you know where I'm going. And right now, some of you are going, ugh. So let me just say it. Uh, the fuel, the fuel, the food uh, you put in your body, it really matters. It really does. Uh, low-grade fuel, low-grade performance. High-grade fuel will give you a competitive edge in whatever circle of life you're living and competing in. It just will. Now, I, I'm not going to beat this drum too hard here, because I know some of you, uh, you, you've been hit over the head with it, right, by your doctor, by your physician, uh, by the magazine ads and all the commercials and all the podcasts, da 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 But let me just say it straight up. Instead of all the fad diets of trying that new fad driving, that new trend diet, and that new little cute little thing, and that, how about just practicing just the basics of what Scripture offers us at creation of a regular diet of fruits and vegetables that come from the earth that God has made, whole grains, legumes, 
the beans that have protein that God has made, little fish, little chicken, little turkey. If you want to eat meat, eat it lean. Racing fuel. If you would limit, notice I said primarily limit, primary, it's very ironic we're having this conversation on National Pizza Day. <laughs> Some of you are going, my plans are ruined. <laughs> if you would primarily limit uh, your intake in your tank to racing fuel, you will find yourself having a boost of energy. Some research says as much as 20%, a little bit more. Uh, you will begin to shed unwanted pounds that you did not want. You, because you cannot add pounds when you're putting racing fuel in your tank. You can't do it. Except for the good pounds. So, your body, uh, it really matters to God. Now, I know some of you are saying right now, but Pastor, I don't like racing fuel. I like garbage fuel. I like garbage. If you like garbage fuel, raise your hand. Who like I love, I love me some garbage fuel. We all do. I'm not saying, but discipline is required, right? That's why we talked about discipline last week. Discipline is doing in the moment the hard thing you don't want to do because you know it's the right thing because there's an outcome on the other end. There just is. And there is an outcome. Uh, this past week, I was trying to do some research, and I was unsuccessful. And so I made a couple of phone calls, and I talked to our own Dr. Heather McKenzie. Uh, Maybe you may call her your, your physician. She's an excellent physician. And she shared with me all the research she's showing that in America, uh, that it's trending, trending, trending upward. Most of her patients are closer to 40% of her patients in, in this area are in that unhealthy part of obesity, not muscle weight, but the one we don't want, and uh, it's trending toward 50%, but 20 to 40 range, but it's going up, and childhood obesity has tripled in the past 30 years, and parents, that's on us. Kids have a chance to eat what we say it's okay for them to eat. Parents, that's on us. Grandparents, In Daniel chapter 1, there's a story where Daniel is under a foreign king, and this foreign king brings Daniel and some of his peers in. They're going to have this training table before them. And Daniel looks at the training table and says, I don't want to eat that training food. He says, no, you have to. I want you to be the standard of my, all my other, in my, my service. I tell you what, uh, let us for 10 days just eat vegetables and water, 10 days. And then you compare us to yours who are eating off that table and see who's the most fit. You'll read it this week. It's in Daniel chapter 1. If you do your life steps, you'll read it. And hands down, uh, Daniel and his peers were healthier after 10 days than everybody else who ate this other stuff. So here's my suggestion for you to think about. Uh, maybe some of you want to take the Daniel challenge this week. If you need to talk to your doctor, talk to your doctor. But just start 10 days of eating vegetables. It has protein in those vegetables and water for 10 days. And I'm just going to bet you're going to get a boost of energy. You're going to find yourself a little more energized and you'll probably shed 
some unwanted stuff that you don't want, and some of you, uh, you're going to think, you know what, I'm beginning to honor God a little bit with my body. And you're going to feel good that you're honoring God with that body. Uh, many years ago, there was a single guy around here, uh, never got married. Uh, his best friend was his dog, and he loved his dogs, and he was always buying these rare breed of dogs. And he would buy these dogs, and he, would, he lived pretty close by here. He would walk them around the building on Sunday nights to check to make sure everything was locked up. He'd give us a report on Monday on the unlocked doors and everything. So he was kind of our first safety team we ever had around here. And so when he'd get a new dog, he'd want to show it to me. And I'd go obliged, and so he bought this rare dog, his breed that I wouldn't even, never heard of or seen it before. And I show up there, and he's telling me about the food. And this is before the internet. This is before you can shop online. You had to actually go to the store to actually get what you want and go find it. He said, I went to the whole Metroplex to find this particular food for this particular breed of dog. And he's telling me all about how expensive it was and how clean, pure it was and everything. Now, while he's doing that, he is eating a double-decker hamburger... Uh, super-sized onion rings and a Dr. Pepper that was this tall. And while he's trying to put this food in the bowl and give it to his dog, his dog is sniffing his burger. I said, are you going to give in to your dog? He said, no, dude, he'd kill it. <laughs> really? You're feeding your dog better than you're feeding yourself, dude. Do you see what you're doing? He didn't connect the dots. I'm just asking you to evaluate. Thirdly, I'll get stronger and go off my body when I exercise my body regularly. Now, I need to give a distinction here real quickly about what exercise is and what exercise isn't. I know of a gentleman drank, ate whatever he wants, put anything he wanted in his body, never exercised at all, did whatever he wanted to his body. Eventually, he has this heart attack. Awful heart attack. He survives miraculously. He's recovering. Doctor gets in his face. Dude, you got to start exercising every day. Every day. He says, okay, I got the message. I got the message. So he goes home, uh, digs into his garage, finds his old, old, old Schwinn bicycle. Remember the old Schwinn bicycles? He gets on that bicycle and kind of very slowly, the very first day, creeps to the little convenience store uh, about a mile away. Takes him almost 30 minutes to get there. I mean, he's barely moving the pedals, just enough to keep the bike upright. And when he gets there, he has three jelly donuts. (laughs) He washes it down with coffee with four packs of sugar. Gets back on the bike very slowly, just rides back, not breaking a sweat. He says, that's my workout. Uh, That's not a workout. I don't know what you call it, but it's not a workout. Now, I'm not, some of you right now, you're going, I'm I'm not going to beat you over the head with it. You all know about the importance of exercise. So let me just give you a couple of coaching tips. Find something that you sort of, kind of, like to, sort of, like to do sorta because <laughs> if you sorta kinda maybe like to do it a little bit you might sorta do it every once in a while 
You got the message? Like it, sort of. You don't have to love it. Don't be like Jackie Gleason. Some of you don't know who Jackie Gleason is, but you need to research him and find out. He's very deep. He says, whenever I get the urge to exercise, I lay down on the couch till it goes away. <laughs> don't be Jackie Gleason. That's all I'm saying. Experiment. You might find out that you like something you know. You might like running. You might like walking. Uh, you might like uh, dancing. Dancing is exercise. Uh, you might like taking a class. Maybe it's a yoga class, a camp gladiator. You might like spin. You might like swimming. You might like CrossFit. You just might like going to a gym, be a part of something Zumba. Use Zumba whatever. I don't care. Just experiment till you find something, okay? Uh, and and not, don't do it by yourself. If you want to add a little accountability and fellowship, have a friend do it with you. That will increase the consistency that you'll do it. And here's the second thing, my second way I'll coach you. Uh, something is better than nothing. Here's my temptation. My temptation is if I can't do my plan, and I have a plan, and my schedule has been so crazy uh, the, since last July, it's been just totally turned upside down, it seems like my work schedule, is that if I can't do what I'm not scheduled to do, I'll just say, I'll just do nothing. Anybody like me? If I can't do what I, I just, here's what I've had to force myself to do, to do something. Just do something. Uh, if you can't get to the gym, uh, go for a 15-minute walk. Uh, do some push-ups or sit-ups in the home. Uh, when I travel, I take a backpack. I put as much stuff in my backpack as I can. You'll see me in the airport if you ever see me there or even on the plane. I'll get in the aisle. I'll just start doing air squats with my backpack on my back. I mean, I'm just going like this. Going, you're weird, dude. I know. <laughs> but I'm honoring God with my body, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, on a, uh, yesterday morning, Saturday, I wasn't going to get a workout in. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to do 100 burpees. So I just did 100 burpees right there in the house. You don't need any equipment. There's no excuse, I'm just saying. So I just just a little free coaching there, you know. Let me, yeah, I know you hate me and some of you already. Send your emails to God. Remember, send your emails to God. Uh, number four, when I get sufficient rest. When I get sufficient rest. I'll honor God with my body uh, when I get uh, sufficient rest. The research is startling, and here's the research. Here's the recent research. Is that your motor skills. If you're chronically sleep-deprived or worse than someone who is legally drunk, chronically sleep-deprived people are more prone to getting ulcers, premature aging, obesity, listen, ladies, breast cancer. No wonder the scriptures are so clear. You're working your rest. You're working your rest. You're working. There's a rhythm. You just can't work all the time. That's why Exodus chapter 4, I mean, uh, the fourth commandment, I think it's so clear. In Exodus, it says, listen, every seventh day, the fourth commandment says, worship and rest. Unplug from your overamp schedules. And just seriously rest. At your own peril, ignore the way your body, God made your body. He made your body to get pleasurable, enjoyable, uninterrupted, significant measures of sleep 
and rest that would honor God. It also honor your kids because you're not as short. When I reduce destructive stress, number five, I will get stronger in honoring God with my body. You're not going to eliminate all your stress. You're never going to do it. That's impossible to do. Uh, in fact, without any stress, you're not going to get something done. Stress produces stuff. So it's going to happen. But destructive stress. Uh, anybody who's ever paid attention when a president enters into office, whether it's for four years or eight years, they age 30 years, don't they, in just a little bit of time. You imagine the stress. Uh, some of you, I've watched some of you in the past couple of years. I know your life. Some of you, I hate to tell you this, you've aged a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's a short period of time. I mean, that's what stress does to us all. It just does. I have a friend who fit that situation. He was so busy, so successful, so he's running, 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 running. And uh, he started gaining a little extra weight, so busy, didn't have time to exercise, started drinking a little bit more, starts popping pills to go to sleep. Uh, drinking the energy geeks to stay awake. Uh, there's somebody in this room that's doing this, somebody who's listening to my voice. Uh, you take pills to go to sleep, and then you drink energy drinks to stay awake during the daytime. He was doing that. Lots of money. I said, man, how, how are things going for you? Are you stressed? Is the stress worth it? He said, Rick, I'm living the dream. And then he had a panic attack kick his tail to the curb and he reprioritized his whole life till he could finally live. I know another guy who died of a heart attack boom, uh, had a heart attack boom, they thought he was dead, resuscitate him and, and I'm talking to him, visiting him, man it's, you, you came back to life from this heart attack he said yeah, he said man, I thought I was dead he said Rick, I gotta tell you something man I was planning on missing my daughter's, my, my daughter's wedding this summer uh, we had this sale, and if I did not close the deal, the company was going to go down the tube. I had to close the deal. I thought I had to be there. The pressure was so enormous. Man, I was going to miss my daughter's wedding. And now he said, I'm not missing my daughter's wedding. And I'm not missing the birth of my grandchild. He said, I'm going to start taking care of my body and getting some stress out of my life. Many years ago, one of my friends, 50 years of age, he, we, were, we, were, we were having a baseball game where we won the tournament and uh, won the game, just excelling, and he, he looked up to heaven and he started tearing. I go, man, what are you tearing about? He said, I wish my dad was here. I said, you wish your dad was here? He said, yeah, my dad taught me to love baseball, just like I taught, named his son, to love baseball. He said, I wish my dad was here. Here's what I learned. His dad died of a heart attack about the same age he was, right before 50. Because his dad broke every rule in the book for taking care of his body. He said, I wish my dad was here. If you won't do it for yourself, do it for your children and your grandchildren. Here's the last one. I recognize the time. We're going to do this quickly. This has some depth to it. I want you to hear it. I will get stronger in honoring God with my body when I offer my body to God as a living sacrifice. When I offer my body to God as a living sacrifice, and that is the word from Romans 12, verse 1. 
It says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is why I have you in this body. To please me, sacrifice it so I can use it. Uh, just a quick couple of thoughts here. It'd be kind of hard for you to worship God. You came here today to worship God. It'd been hard for you to get here without a body. Uh, if you're even online, it'd be hard for you to do all the controls to get where you could be present if you didn't have a body. It'd be hard for you to sing if you didn't have a larynx. If you didn't have lungs to push the, those vocal vo out of your mouth, if you didn't have hands that you could raise to God and feet where you could stand up and dance, yes, you can dance to God and worship. It'd be hard to worship God if you didn't have some kind of body. And it'd be hard to serve God with your spiritual gifts. It'd be hard to get down on the ground with a child and have eyeball to conversation and teach them the Word of God if you don't have a body that can move and get down and get back up, or at least in a wheelchair, get into a level place where you can communicate with them with their body. It'd be hard to open the door for guests if you don't have a hand that can have a handle to open it. it it's just be hard for you to do anything for God of consequence without your body. That's all I'm trying to say. But if you take care of this thing, use you in incredible mighty ways this is a picture of my parents right here uh, my dad there turns 90 on March the 7th uh, my mother just is 82 she turned 82 in November my dad I was on staff here for a long time up to almost time age 87 he was a counselor he has all these credentials of being a licensed counselor and up to three years ago uh, at 87, and then his, his body kind of started where he just didn't have the strength to do it. But I still go see him, and he speaks counsel into my life still at the age of, of 90 here. This is my mom at 82. Uh, yesterday, she was over the charge of the bereavement team. And all the funerals that we have here, my mom at 82 oversees the gathering of the food and makes sure people are served uh, for their funerals. Uh, I will tell you, I'm glad my mom and dad took seriously about honoring God with their bodies because today... I can take my little granddaughter to their house on Fridays and my mother gets on the ground at 82 and plays hide and go seek in colors and my dad at 90 talks about God's love to her. I'm so glad they didn't ignore their bodies. We're going to put one more theological statement on the screen. It's very deep. <laughs> it's biblical. I want you to say it with me out loud, whether you're online or you're here in the house or wherever. All together, one voice, say it out loud. That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. There comes a point in your life where you got to say, I make a stand. No more. No more. I can't make that decision for you. You got to make that decision. 
whether you're in the house or online or wherever you are, true words, I want to just give you a couple of moments here uh, to be still. I just want to ask you, have you heard the Holy Spirit speak, say anything to you of something you need to stop? You can't stand it. You're not going to stand it anymore. It's going to stop. I had a young lady after the last service say, Pastor, I've been cutting myself. young person who's been vaping I hadn't thought about it that way pastor I'm going to stop it is there anything the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning what about your fuel any adjustments you need to make has God spoke to you that you need to make an adjustment or two what do you hear God say to you uh, what about the rest thing Anybody need to change the discipline of their sleep patterns and their stress patterns? Is there anybody here who can hear my voice that has a picture of a son or a daughter that's about to get married? A child that's being born in the womb, the next generation, and you had this picture? And you're thinking, oh, I want to be there for that ball game. I want to be there when they walk down that aisle. I want to be there when they graduate. I want to be there. And God convicted you that something's got to stop and something's got to start. I'm just going to give you a few seconds here, just a silence. voice and you're able, would you please stand? If you can, would you please stand? If you're online, you're in a place in your home, somewhere in the world, if you can stand, I invite you to stand. And I would invite you just to seal this with a prayer. Let this song be your prayer. Andrew, just lead us. Let it be our song. belongs to you forever everything my arms my feet my heart my mind my life is yours my whole life is yours
God, you know our fear that we're going to walk out of this worship time or resume back to our work wherever we are, and we're going to make some decisions, and we're just going to say the heck with it and keep on doing what we've been doing. That's our fear. But God, we have heard you speak, and you have promised God you would give us power along the way if in faith uh, we take that step. So God, as your people leave to go about their business into the world, I pray when they wake up tomorrow, they would sense your power. And they would honor you tomorrow with their body. One day at a time. In Jesus' name.